Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kassman, and with me this week is Joe Lupton, and we're going to talk about resilience, drags, inflation, central banks, and God knows what else. Um, let's start with the issue we've really been facing all year, which is these fairly substantial shocks uh, basically hitting a global private sector that's in extremely good shape. So far, we've been seeing resilience. We've been worried about whether the drags may um, be too uh, large and start to really produce softness. But certainly the May data so far are continuing to keep us uh, comfortable that things are being dented but not being derailed. So why don't we start with that, Joe? Give us a, a rundown on what's going on. Yeah, I mean, I think you probably want to split it between demand and and production. Uh, you know, on the on the demand side, it's a it's a little mixed. With you know, the, we've been seeing some deceleration in the consumer. We certainly have seen a sharp deceleration in business equipment spending. Our capex nowcaster looks to have come to a stall last quarter and is tracking kind of soft on the month on month. Um, you know, I, you know, it's the, I have to say, I, you know, the U.S. consumer looks quite strong in against that backdrop. And overall, I think the saving rate is doing a lot of the cushioning there. I think what you're really referring to in terms of where we're seeing the resilience and have been impressed is on the on the production side of things. And and here we we had a very strong first quarter, and despite that kind of soft final demandish side, we think inventories were a big part of that. As we looked into the second quarter, I think you and I were thinking, well, things should probably soften here. Then we got kind of walloped by a big China slump and we're getting walloped by more energy price increases from Russia, Ukraine. So we, we felt like production was going to gonna take it on the chin. And, and I think resilience is the right word. We keep being impressed with how well the IP numbers are doing, how well the business surveys are doing. This week, we put out our manufacturing PMI report, and those things are are coming off a little bit, but by no means showing any signs of weakness. And as it is, I think we could see an IP quarter outside of Russia and China that looks every bit as strong as what we saw last quarter. Yeah, and I think that's part of it, but I, I think you're underplaying resilience elsewhere. Uh, we're seeing uh, labor market data holding very well. We're seeing, I think, service sector activity, what limited indicators we have, do reasonably well. And um, you know, I think it's just generally, if we exclude what will be a very sharp decline in China in the second quarter, it's looking like a global economy that's holding in here. Unfortunately, the story is not playing out the way we would have expected, which is that we have these drags for the first few months of the year. We need to see resilience. And then you get rewarded with that resilience with the drags fading. Um, and most notably there, it's the inflation side, which is continuing to provide us with uh, some real concern about um, the ongoing problems of these drags, uh, and both directly and, and and through some indirect channels as well. So Right. We've, all, we've, we've been saying that the uh... The biggest medium-term risk is that we're right on this this growth resilience, and and we seem to be getting the growth resilience, and and so yeah, labor markets. I kind of put in the fundamentals camp, uh, which is that is driving that that resilience in the in the spending side. Things aren't falling apart there, and if we get through this, China is rebounding now. I don't quite know if China's going to stay rebounded, but let's table that as a as a risk as we look into the third quarter. Uh, but the inflation coming off, yes, it's it's running hot. Still. 
still and, and we keep being surprised by that. But as long as energy prices just stabilize, you're going to see it come back to earth. <laughs> as long as energy prices just stabilize, they're not stabilizing. Oh, I know. I know. To go up. Well, Bruce, we said, we said the fourth quarter was going to the peak. Then we said the first quarter was going to be the peak. And now we're saying the second quarter is going to be the peak. So, I mean, let's hope we're right eventually on this. Um, and and th But that is, I think, why we've been concerned and yet surprised by the resilience that things aren't kind of breaking that as we've been saying bending but not breaking and then that sets us up as we move into the second half of the year where boy you come out of this and and things could be pr pretty strong in a world where financial conditions have already tightened a fair bit there'll be a question of whether maybe more tightening is needed and that could actually start to lead to questions around maybe central banks maybe the fed should do more than 250s sure i think there's there's issues on that front, but I, I would not say right now that the risks are tilting to the upside in second half growth. The drags on inflation are persisting. We're seeing financial conditions having tightened in the U.S. and, and through the edges of what is a, a still resilient uh, first half in terms of macro performance. I think we're seeing the interest sensitives in the economy, uh, the housing sector in particular, soften, and we're seeing uh, auto sales, not just in the U.S., but more broadly be weak. So there's there's good reasons to continue to think that these drags are going to hold things down. Yeah, I think I, I I'm I'm feeling for the the viewer right now who's probably feeling whipsawed by the yeah, four-handed economists right here, right? We've <clears throat> talked about strength, talk about resilience, talk about resilience that leads to strength in the second half, but then talks about downside risks and worries about the second half. And and I'm not saying that in a in a cheeky way. Like I I, I struggle with how to put the forecast together. I think we're on a razor's edge here in terms of how things play out. We see resilience and that makes us comfortable for the second half, but it's resilience in a world where those downside risks are are, are very strong and, and have us concerned. So, uh, and I will say the big, the one I can't wrap my head around is the China one, which is reopening now, but presumably the virus hasn't gone away and we could be sitting here in August and September. And I've talked to some Asian clients who say their modeling work suggests things are going to be coming back in, in August and September, which means another big downturn there. That is not in our forecast. So, you know, again, two, two handed economists here make it, make it a fairly difficult time to lay a forecast down. Well, I, I guess the way I would be presenting it is that we are seeing, I think, uh, enough resilience in the face of these drags to keep the global expansion moving forward. But I don't think we're confident that we're going to see uh, enough fading of drags or that resilience be maintained to the degree necessary to deliver well above trend uh, second half global growth. I think the the problem that we have with that is that in part, the reason why drags are going to continue to weigh on growth is um, because inflation is staying high. And um, even if that does hurt growth somewhat, if it's not creating uh, a recession, if it's not pushing labor markets to be a lot softer, then the risk is that you continue to get a deterioration in the inflation uh, setting process that tight labor markets interact with high inflation, uh, shifting, um, um, you know, expectations on the part of uh, price and wage setters. And life becomes far more difficult for central banks um, in a world in which growth is okay and inflation is just not coming down the way they and we would like in our forecasts. And that kind of sets us up 
uh, for, I think, uh, an element of concern in a week in which the Fed probably is feeling a little better about its soft landing prospects, uh, given that the unemployment rate has been stable now for three months, wage inflation in the employment report has, has moderated, and there is an underlying softening that they can see now starting to take hold in the economy. Uh, so we have the Fed and DCB up next week, and then the Fed up the following week. Let's let's talk about them for a minute. Uh, first, maybe with the ECB, because they're up first. Yeah. So, I mean, ECBs, in a sense, they're kind of the caboose of this whole normalization process. Uh, you know, we look for them to kind of set the set up the start of the, the you know, end of the balance sheet uh, expansion, start of normalization. Uh, they're probably all all signs would suggest they probably should be hiking at this meeting, but um, and we have a, a view that, and it seems coming pretty clear from from speakers that they want to be hiking about once a quarter. That would suggest June, September, December, but uh, because probably because some of the balance sheet stuff is getting announced and they've been setting us up for July, we think it probably gets delayed until July. But effectively, they're on a once a quarter hike that's what they're leading us to that's what our team is telling us uh, i mean you're probably smiling a little bit because you and i are both really twisting greg's arm on this about why aren't they going a little bit more aggressively here maybe going every meeting um and i think particularly in a world where this week inflation once again surprise to the upside uh you know and it's not just the headline stuff it's core inflation surprise to the upside wage pressures are are rising and i kind of i kind of uh, uh, smiled a little bit when you said wage pressures are moderating in the U.S. You are looking at the average hourly earnings there. You know, clearly the ECI is is showing a bit more of a price pressures build, wage pressures building. I would say in Europe, you're seeing those negotiated wage pressures building. All of this points to central banks that should be moving. And of course, the ECB is up next week, and uh, they should probably, uh, you know, we would think start to to flag some of these inflation concerns. Yep. And then we have the Fed next week, which will probably be most interesting in how they guide us um, as they've basically put on the table a 50 for next, two weeks from now and uh, a, even a 50 for the following meeting. But they've opened the door for uh, some broader reassessment as they move towards the September uh, FOMC meeting. Um, you know, the forecast we have has them slowing to 25, but they're probably going to need a pretty decent sense of weakening in the economy if they're going to deliver on that downshift, given what we're seeing uh, on the inflation front and also what we've seen on the growth front up until now. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, maybe you can just lay some markers out there, Bruce. Like, what what would you think you need to see on payroll growth and inflation um, just to get the baseline, which is a dialing back to 25 basis points well, I in think, September. Yeah, this is why I think it is a little bit it's a little bit of a of a uh high bar to get over because we you know we're running close to 400,000 on payrolls uh in the month of May and I think you've got three reports before you get to the September meeting and, and I think you'd need to see that average come down below 200,000. Mm -hmm. Uh if you got that momentum slide and you got a run rate on core inflation that that moved towards uh, 0.3 on the month, uh, which we have had on the core PCE for a couple of months now. I think that might be enough to to get them to uh, 
to move to a 25 basis point pace, particularly if financial conditions look like they're doing some additional work going forward. Let's go one step uh, further. We need something what, like what would get them to, to pause? Uh, I think to get them to pause, they'd have to have a, a genuine fear that the unemployment rate was going up as we moved into the uh, fourth quarter. Um, and that would take a lot more weakness than what I just described in the in the data to do that. Um, Not just going but up, but and, going up in kind of a sustained, sustained way. Well, I mean, we don't have, I mean, for the employment report to be consistent with the unemployment rate going up, you're talking about job growth slowing well, probably below yeah. 100,000 a month and things like that. So that's already getting to the point you get you get quite nervous. Uh, and obviously there has to be something that's that's kind of driving that outcome. So you'd have things in either financial conditions or other components of activity aligning with it. Uh, I think the important point here is the Fed has still got, from its own mind, a lot of work to do. But having said that, it is going to be sensitive to, to growth. It's not on a preordained path here to get to a particular uh, level. I think it is close to preordained that they want to do another 100 basis points here quickly to get close to neutral. And then they'll judge the growth inflation news, uh, the risk to the outlook and, and make the decision. I mean, to, to have the Fed in a world of slowing um, payroll growth is something closer to trend and still have um, a pretty decent momentum shift down in inflation and continue to go 25s here is, is a Fed that's still got a, a commitment to moving. But uh, I don't think they want a recession at this point. So if they feel felt the risk of that was high enough, they would, uh, I think, at this stage, at least pause. We may be in a situation um, somewhere down the road where they actually uh, conclude that a recession is what's necessary for the U.S., but I don't think we're there yet. And that is, I think, and I'll end on this note, that is, I think, one of the concerns that I would have coming back to your point up front that uh, success is a double-edged sword in a sense. Success of getting through this um, allows the expansion to continue to move forward and possibly gather some steam at some point down the road when the drags fade. Um, but success in a world in which inflation is staying elevated for a longer period of time, a world where labor markets are staying tight and quite tight for a longer period of time, does, I think, increase the chances that we're going to be seeing this shifting Phillips curve, this sense of an inflation process shifting that is just going to make the trade-off more difficult for the Fed to get inflation down, require them to tighten more, and ultimately require them to push the unemployment rate up materially, which effectively means that at some point here, they will have to uh, generate a recession. I don't think that's where they are now. I don't think that's where they'll be this year, but I do get more worried about this each month we go by with tight labor markets and continued underlying uh, pressure on inflation that I think does feed a um, uh, an underlying shift in the dynamic, but let's see. Let's see where we are. There's a lot, lot to to process before we um, get in, to September, including next phase. week's CPI report, right? Including next week's CPI, which in 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 the vein of what we just said, another very high side reading of eight tenths is our forecast, with another high side core reading of 0.5. So we'll leave it there. Thanks everybody for joining us and hope to continue the conversation next week again on JP Morgan TV. Thank you.